I imagine most Toronto FC fans have spent the last few days in a pretty similar way, grinning ear to ear after a massive performance against the league's best team, watching that Richie Larea goal till their phone loses battery, and of course humming the brass bonanza to themselves throughout the day. This is this week on Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks. We'll discuss a successful start to Toronto FC's life in Hartford. We're also very excited about our guest this week, the man behind at Toronto FC and so much more, the club's digital content manager, Eric Giacometti. He'll join us a little bit later on today. But first, Jeff, uh, did I get the uh, account of your week uh, accurately there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still looking at big head, Jeff, and and, and losing my mind. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty good uh, uh, approximation of my, of my week. Absolutely. <laughs> Michael, I don't know if we can quite see it in the uh, in the the view here, but rocking the Blue Jays right there. Ex- exciting couple uh, days for Toronto sports here. Of course, I got to give it a shout out to my Blue Jays. You know, they've been in a similar position to Toronto FC as one of the only teams to, uh, I guess, in Canada to have to play, you know, down the States. They're not at home. Um, and you know what? They they battled through and they're in the postseason. That starts today. So shout out to the Toronto Blue Jays. I know TFC have been, uh, you know, kind of reaching out to them for a little bit of advice here and there. So uh, let's go Blue Jays. Yeah. Yeah, well, let, let's get into it off the top here, because uh, I think we have a lot to talk about in this week's show. And Toronto FC, a, a massive win, um, easily their best performance of the season, certainly their best half of the season uh, against the Columbus crew. Um, I guess thoughts on, on you know, what, again, was a complete performance, a complete team effort, uh, and uh, again, kind of validating for both the team and, and for us as well, because I think we've been saying on, on this show for so many weeks, we think this team is has much better than they've been showing, and they certainly demonstrated their ability in that game didn't they uh we'll start with you michael yeah no, what a difference that win makes um i kind of wrote about this and if tsc lose that game they're sitting back and they're eight points back at the supporter shield race with i think nine matches left to play um that's a that's a hard gap to overcome and you know they, they do end up pulling that win out they pick up the three points and now it's only two points um so they're right in the mix of things and i think that win honestly make or break kind of their made or break kind of their their run towards the supporter shield it's been their goal since the start of the season it's what they've been talking about and we kind of talked about this last week what would have been a disappointment for Toronto FC's season in my opinion it's not contending for the supporter shield just based off the way they've been talking about it because it is it has been a constant goal for this club and if they can't achieve their goals then they're they're falling short so uh good to see them battle back what a second half it was it could have been the best second half i've seen since you know i've taken it over here at wtr um it's just yeah I'm, I'm really happy that they were able to kind of pull that out and you know live up to their expectations because they've kind of been on this this kind of like slowish kind of sluggish ride and uh it's good to see them battle back out of it yeah i mean i'll take the shield asterisks and all i'll take the shield no 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 qualms there um you know Brass Bonanza was really inspired as the as the goal music. That was really inspired. It was completely unexpected, totally genius. It warmed every part of my heart. It was just every part of my Hartford Whalers. Uh, it was uh, it was pretty fantastic. Yeah, what a goal yeah. song! That's a classic. Yeah, I'm a massive fan of goal songs in soccer. Actually, it's it's not like a you know a very common thing, but you see it for a couple of clubs. Do I know Bayern? 
has their uh, very Bavarian music after they score. Um, I, I think Ghent had that uh, pretty classic hockey goal song as well after they scored, which was pretty cool, and all their fans sing. So uh, well, I, I definitely like goal music. In, in Let's soccer. take it a step yeah. further. I'm wearing I'm wearing a Jays shirt here. Each J has their own walk-up song. I think each TFC player should have their own goal song, no? Let's add a little flair to it. <laughs> I, I, see, I would be completely fine with that. Um, I think what do you think Pozuelos would be? <laughs> uh, that that uh, Alejandro song by Lady Gaga. Yeah. There you go. That's, that, that's a good shout, Jeff. Right off the top of the head, there. I'm. A, I'm impressed. I do by make that. playlists for a living on WTR. I'm just saying. There, there you go. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, I don't know. There's so many ways you could you could talk about this match. But the one thing that stood out to me, especially considering how much we've talked about it lately, is uh, the way they were able to to kill this match after they went up. Um, that was a you know, determination that we haven't seen from this side before they went up, you know, they tied the game, they went up one, they just kept their foot on the gas the whole time. There was some minor little plays in there that, you know, in the grand scheme of things probably didn't stand out too much, but I really liked one of them was uh, late in the half. Piatti gets fouled in a position that normally you would just, you know, bring up your center backs and pump the ball into the box. Cause it was, it was a decent spot for a free kick, but instead of that, they kept everyone back. They just kind of, cycled it back into possession and i think that was the the main key there was how well they kept the ball during that second half but also you know while they weren't making incredibly risky passes they were still making passes forward and still making good runs into the box and that sort of thing and uh, i think that was a massive difference from what we've seen in in recent weeks from toronto fc when they go up late wasn't it uh what's with you oh yeah go ahead I think you mentioned this after the game, Mitch, and you said that there wasn't really a moment where TFC kind of felt that kind of pressure in in comparison to kind of games past where, you know, we're hanging on and we're kind of waiting for that moment to come. But in, in that game against Columbus, it was TFC with the, their foot on the gas pedal. They were dictating the second half. And that's kind of what they were doing the other night when Danny decided to swap out his center backs against DC United. They were dominating that game. They were pushing forward. And you saw tonight, he decided not to go, or not tonight, last game, they, he decided not to go to that back five and kind of invite that pressure. And whereas, you know, they decided instead to take it to, to Columbus. And we saw the, the what, what was the fruition of that. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, Jeff. Well, I was watching Josie uh, and uh, his performance in the second half was ridiculous. Uh, because I, I thought he was so out of place in the first half. I mean, he was he was like a left back for some uh, for some passages of play, and I was like, "What the hell is he doing so uh, so far into our own zone on the pitch?" Um, but we unleashed the beast. I mean, there was a moment uh, in the second half where he pulled Azizu. I mean, he went he went for a for a header just 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 to just to keep possession. He went up and challenged for a header. And and placed it, you know, in a way that that the rest of the team could could jump on it. I also, I mean, I know we're probably going to talk about Richie Larea a lot, but but to change your whole shape and responsibilities to allow Richie to be that kind of a persistent threat down the uh, down the right hand side was a really interesting tactical wrinkle. Um, you know, Vanny Vanny earned his money uh, uh, last game for sure. And yeah, we have a we have a question from local agitator. Yeah, question being, did you guys like the starting formation last game? Uh, I really did. I mean, we were we've been talking. Um, that was that was one of the big topics last week on the show was uh, Josie Altador or Io Akinola. Well, why not both? <laughs> I guess was was what Greg Vanny went with, and um, they they look very good together. I mean, 
they're, they're not playing the way I would have expected them to play two up top. It, it seems like they always have one of them out wide in that left wing position. They're still playing the exact same 4-3-3 formation that, that Greg Vanny loves so much. Um, Josie doesn't look too bad as a winger. I know it's, I know Io is probably better when he goes out there, but the fact that you can rotate those two guys between the positions, um, Josie's a really smart footballer. And I, I think we've, I think he's shown that a lot over the past couple of games in terms of his positioning and the way he's able to, to draw defenders to, to make, uh, openings for his teammates. I hated it. I hated it. I hated really? it. I hated it. So TFC started in a four, two, three, one formation, uh, with, Ozo and Marky is the holding mids. You had Paz as the number 10. On the right wing, you had Io Akinola. And on the left wing, obviously, you had Piatti. And then up top, you had Josie. That's how TFC started the match. And it was an ugly half. It was a lot of chasing back and forth from Io. You were asking him to do a lot of work back and forth. At times, you saw Josie out there had to come back. And, you know, he was on the wing at times. And you're like, well, what is going on? You know, this is a lot of up and down work. And then when TFC did get the ball, they'd punch it forward to Josie. And then you're asking Josie to hold up 1v5, 1v4, while Io Akinola, who's at the right back or right mid position, is sprinting up to get back. And by the time he sprints up, Josie loses the ball and he's on the way back. You know what I mean? So there's so much work being asked of Io Akinola there. Um, and let alone, you know, Jonathan Rosario and Marky Delgado in, our, in an already depleted Toronto FC midfield. Those guys were key for going back and forth, too. So there was just way too much work being asked of your team. And, you know, the end result, obviously, was TFC weren't able to like, link anything together. There was nothing fluid coming. They had, you know, moments where they, they looked all right against Columbus. But for the most part, Columbus was by far the, the more dangerous team in the first half. Mm-hmm. And then second half, D- Vanny completely changed his taxes. He decided to go both Iowa Canola and Josie Altador up top in almost a 4-1-2-1-2 formation, a diamond midfield, or even a 4-2-2-2 at times with both Paz and uh, Piatti playing as like center attacking mids behind Altador and Akinola. And I think from that point on, the game kind of changed because... Jeff kind of mentioned it. Richie Lair sort of freed up that right-hand side because you had Jonathan Azori who was going to cover. You had Justin Mora who was going to slide into a sort of a back three to sort of supplement Richie. So that right side just became a lot more fluid. Um, up top, uh, Alter had some support. You know, he was with Akinola to begin with him and Akinola had some great hold-up play in the second half together. Mm-hmm. Um and it just it just made the world of a difference, I thought, after Greg Vanny made that tactical adjustment. And I think we saw that that obviously play out with the goals. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, oh, sorry, you mentioned in your article, like, to be a fly on the wall for that halftime team talk, uh, you know, he did, did, did he just bring out the hairdryer and, and that was that, or, or was it a more targeted strike uh, about team unity? Well, we may never know, but, but whatever he said, I mean, I hope he's got it recorded so he can play it every game for, you know, the next, the next nine games, because that was, that was an, an obscene turnaround. It was just unbelievable. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, the first half, uh, I, I was kind of you know looking at the way Columbus was playing, and it was like, wow, Vancouver and Montreal are really bad, aren't they? <laughs> because, because you know we, we've seen how things have gone for those two sides since they uh, since they left the Canada bubble, and yeah, there's there's a lot better teams in MLS certainly than the than the sides that Toronto FC played uh, you know for the past couple of months. But I'll ask I think you this, mention- Mitch, Sorry, is it ahead. fair criticism now to? to wonder whether or not TFC can beat teams other than just Vancouver and Montreal. Like, are they in this position just because they face Vancouver and Montreal so often? Or do you think TFC is a legitimate threat throughout the league? Well, the fact that they just beat New York and Columbus kind of 
you know, in some ways mitigates that point. They do. I think they still need to need to show it a little bit. I mean, Philly on Saturday, which we'll talk about a little bit later, looms pretty large in another opportunity to prove themselves. But, you know, I think I think in terms of teams in the Eastern Conference to beat to to prove you are once again a contender this year, they were able to beat the the two sides that I would have you know, towards the top of my list and Philly being the other one that will have an t- opportunity to go three for three. So, um, you know, as much as, as they have had an easy, easier ride, I think uh, in, in the past little bit, they've shown themselves to be quite a good side once again. Well, I, I mean, it, it begs to be mentioned that Columbus has had an easy ride. I mean, they've played Cincinnati more times than anybody in the league this year. So uh, you would have to open that question up to every team's path, right? This has been such a, such a weirdo stop start, you know, locally uh, uh, mitigated by, tra- you know, uh, games mitigated by travel time and, and all these mm-hmm. other sets of variables. So, you know, uh, when, when the dust settles uh, on this, on this crazy year, there's going to be a lot of asterisks, but uh, you know, T- TFC made a statement uh, in that Columbus game. And that statement was, is that, you know, regardless of, of, of how the chips are falling this year, you know, we, we can, on our day, we can beat anybody. So, so I, I, I do think that they've definitely put their best foot forward for the, for the last bit of the season. Yeah. Let's quickly talk about the, the other game this week. Uh, certainly a less impressive performance overall. For me, it kind of felt like some of the, some of the games they were able to grind out late, uh, late on in the season last year when they put all those wins and draws together and even heading into the playoffs um, where, you know, they, they were definitely not the better team against New York City FC, but they were able to hang around, able to keep New York from scoring. Um, and definitely the performance of Alex Bono probably looms large in that, uh, tying a club record for, for most clean sheets, uh, of course, held by Stefan Fry previously. Um, Michael, thoughts on, on that game? Because, uh, again, I think, as we've said, that was a big result as well. Yeah, that's sort of why I asked that question earlier. Is, is TFC a legitimate contender? And it's honestly, I, I watched that game against New York City FC, um, who isn't one of the premier teams, I'd say, in the East this season. I'd say they're they're up there. They're decent, but they're not one of the premier top teams, I'd say, um, especially considering the injuries that they had against that, that Toronto FC team. So I felt that performance by as a whole was completely disappointing. And that first half against Columbus was disappointing. But then you bounce back and you look at what TFC did against Columbus in that second half, and you wonder why can't they they go on and win this supporter shield? Um, just going back to that performance again a little bit by Alex Bono, how impressive is that for his ability to come in? How, how often does he play? Like he's played twice in 2020, and he's posted mm-hmm. two clean sheets. You know how difficult that is. I mean, we talk about it all the time in, in hockey, and you know, in others, we don't often see a, a backup goalkeeper kind of get played in this sort of role that Alex Bono is getting played in soccer but how difficult it is that to come in and you know find his place in the side and not only find his place excel in it um to be honest um does it create a goalkeeper controversy down the line uh, I I it's still keys net for to lose for me I don't know how you guys feel about that well I mean we it, it opened up a, a rather long dialogue on our on our comment boards um you know and 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 people on the dissenting side of the coin were saying you know q's age is an issue uh you know uh and then people on the on the other side of the coin were saying bono's uh salary is an issue for a second string goalkeeper um you know it's mls it's a capped league uh there's a lot of noise coming through the coming through the uh the woodwork 
with respect to um, what is the pandemic going to do to the salary cap in the league next year? Will that will we get a hard cap like the NHL? I mean, we we don't know anything because the very we, we just don't know anything yet. But that's certainly something to consider. Um, you know, when we had Bones and Clint Irwin, we had two number ones as well. So this isn't a new a new thing for TFC. Uh, but that didn't last, and I think that this is also unsustainable. Alex, you know, he's he's going to want some minutes, um, and if we're not prepared to to give him to him, uh, he's going to go elsewhere. And and to be frank, uh, getting that amount of money off the books might might help TFC, and it, and it might be mutually beneficial. But I mean, let's put it this way: Is the do you half and half it? Do you put bones up against teams that like to shoot a lot and cue? against all the others uh what does that do to consistency I, I i don't think that's the answer but that won't be satisfactory to alexander bono you it, definitely don't half and half it i don't think ever for goalkeepers i think you gotta you gotta have a clear number one and that is quentin westberg for me right now um you know you've got the you've got the systems um that they play um with toronto fc and i think that's that's something that definitely gives westberg the advantage he's uh he, he fits better in terms of the way they want to possess the ball, the way they want to play out from the back. Um, so there's that in his advantage. Um, you know, I just think, but I, I do think this is something you revisit in the off season because right now I think it is critical that you have a, a second keeper who can step in for those Wednesday, Sunday, back to backs. You're not going to do it every week, but having that ability right there, I think that's worth it at the moment, but I don't think you can go into another season where you have two keepers making what they're making. Also, Quickly wanted to mention, looks like Michael has something to say as well, but I quickly wanted to mention the age thing. I don't think that's as big of a deal for a goalkeeper at all. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to, to point out that the transfer window does end the end of October. It's the secondary one. So there is a little bit of time to you know make a move. There are rumors in the offseason, rumblings in the offseason that Toronto FC were looking at a deal for Alex Bono and Julian Gressel. They're kind of circled around those two kind mm. of quality of players. Um and that's honestly kind of the value that Alex Bono kind of has in this league. Um, he is, he, if TFC do decide to flip him, he is able to bring back a valuable asset. I'm not saying it will be Julian Gressel, of course, but what I am saying is that TFC have some currency now because Alex Bono has had such good starts. Um, prior to that, it was kind of an issue. Maybe do TFC... Um, is he able to, does another team, is another team willing to take on Alex Bono's salary? And I think now, I think it's no, hands down, anyone be willing to take on that salary, especially he's considering he's 26 years old going into the prime of his, his career. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I agree. I we'll, well, yeah, I think we'll, we'll table that discussion for a second. Cause it looks like uh, Eric Giacometti is here. If you want to bring him on here, Sophia. There's the boy. What's up, What's up guys? <laughs> How's it going? We are now joined by Toronto FC manager of digital content, Eric Giacometti. How you doing? Doing all right, man. It's uh, it's good to be back home in Toronto for even if it's just for a couple of days, just kind of uh, have a little bit of a reset while we're in our home away from home in Connecticut. So you know, good to be back home, even if it's in quarantine. Sweet. Well, we're gonna we're gonna start you off the heavy here. Here, rank these in order. People DMing you for a trial with the club. People getting mad at the account after a loss or josh cloak asking you for the lineup graphic that's that's a tough one man i mean josh, <laughs> josh knows man josh josh loves to you know it, it was he's even better when he was sitting next to me in the press box and i just see him do one of these just look down 
look at me. <laughs> I had Molinero looking at me. I mean, every, everybody as if it's on me. But listen, uh, you know, we're 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 getting we're getting the lineups out when we can. But the, the DMs the DMs is always is always fun because uh, <laughs> everybody everybody asks for a tryout as if I have some kind of power to to get Greg Danny on the horn and and get them into the academy. But you know, it is what it is. It comes part and parcel with running a with running a first team account. So we've got a fan question. Uh, I'm going to mangle this this name because it's a tongue twister. Uh, Joshua Klocka. Uh <laughs> Hey, guys. First time, long time question for the guest. What time will the lineup be at? Good guys, question. it's been great. Good Thank question. you guys so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> on a serious note, though, Eric, like you've been you've been spot on this year with the lineups. You know, I feel like those are coming out pretty pretty on time. What's changed in your job? And you know, can you kind of give us a little bit of rundown of how difficult things are to kind of manage this this COVID nineteen virus? Yeah, I mean, in in terms of the, the totality of the scope of, of of what we do on on social and digital, it's it's been a total curveball, right? Because you, we plan out for a, a content slate for the entire year. And then when the team is taken away and you, you're not seeing games in the field, it kind of uh, it basically can throw the whole thing in the toilet because you, we, we were scrambling there at, at the beginning to try to find some ways to, you know, to keep fans engaged, keep people apprised of what's going on with the team, even when the team wasn't able to play. So I know we, we had to get creative and, and try to find some new ways to to not only service our fans, but service internal stakeholders with, you know, revenue retention was still a big part of it and trying to get partners attached to, to what little content we could provide. So it's it's been quite a big shakeup, but I got to say, I'm I'm very much uh, pleased to be back and, and doing what we do best with the guys in the field, you know, back on the road with the team, creating content, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. So we're doing everything we can to keep fans as attached as, as possible, even though we're away from home. Well, I certainly enjoyed the uh, the lockdown. Uh, what was it? Uh, Reds Rewind that you did that series. I thought that was pretty fantastic and quite insightful. I, I remember the uh, the Patrick Mullins episode. I think there was only one Patrick Mullins episode, but I was uh, I was really impressed with with just how switched on he was tactically. Like his his insights on the game, I thought were pretty fantastic. Um, I got a question. Uh, I was lurking on a very twenty twenty uh, Twitter beefish. Uh, over semantics that you uh, that you were engaged in. Here we go. And uh, and I, I'm always I'm always surprised that some people uh, uh, some people don't know that you're a card carrying member of the American Visits Toronto and Never Leaves Club. Uh, so what is it about the city, um, and uh, why is it such a great town to set up roots? Uh, I love it, man. I, I love it. Uh, I'll do. I'll give you the, the quick the quick backstory because I I had been visiting Toronto, you know, since. I guess since 2015, because I was, you know, I'd been doing long distance with my now wife and traveling up and down to Toronto. And I was saying like, man, wouldn't it be incredible if, if I could find a way to be here? And I was like, mm, maybe if, if I got a job with TFC, but like, that's, that's pie in the sky. There's, there's only one job that I moved to Toronto for. And uh, lucky enough that that ended up coming to fruition. So ever since I first came to the city, I, I really did fall in love with it and uh, tried to find whatever way I could to, to get here. And uh, luckily I've, you know, got my way here with the club and it's it's been tremendous i mean everything that the city has to offer the quality of life the the, the people that i've met around here i've made a, an entirely new friend group here of, of people from all different walks of life it, it's it's been everything i could have imagined and more so no no uh no complaints about canada until the gold cup draw then then the, that's when the <laughs> <laughs> uh just a quick follow-up question i know you uh you worked in a similar capacity for the new york red bulls um what are the differences between the organizations this, but you know, yeah, I mean, it, two two very different setups. I mean, you know, 
working. I was covering the Red Bulls for for quite a few years before working for the club. Uh, so you got to see kind of what it looked like on the outside and then uh, on on the inside and, and, and coming to TFC. I think the biggest difference is you know being part of the MLSC ownership group. It, it just makes for a, a much different setup when you're you're you know your next door neighbors are the Leafs and the Raptors, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, but I think I think that's that's also been one of our biggest strengths, right? As I have people to bounce ideas off of, whether it's you know. You know my counterparts with, with the Argos, you know Raptors, Leafs. I think that part of it is, has been uh, a really a really nice plus to have uh, so much resources at your disposal and and so much variety in, in not only you know having the, the downtown office at Fifty Bay and then up in the, the BMO training grounds, being able to work at, at those two locations, I think gives you the best of both worlds in a lot of ways. Fantastic. I'm going to preface a fan question. Uh, who do we thank for Brass Bonanza? Was that the the Hartford contingent, or was that was that somebody in the TFC organization? I, no, I, th- I think I think it, the the genesis of it was uh, our, our boy Jeff Bradley, our director of communications. I think you know the, obviously the Hartford Whalers. That's that's their staple from back in the day. So I, I think we were, you know just trying to find a way to incorporate that into into our broadcast and find a fun way to play on it. Well, unfortunately, we're we're still working through some of the licensing rights to get the. The rights nailed down for social because we had a couple of fun things planned ah. for that. but uh you know we're, we're still working on that so, so keep your eyes peeled so hopefully by the time uh the time next game rolls around we'll be able to have a little bit, a bit more fun with that on well the uh, the fan question is can we play brass bonanza when back in to or is it strictly a connecticut thing and, and i'm almost going to answer for you and say that it's strictly a connecticut thing it, it should be a fun treat i mean we'll revisit it if we win mls cup at that stadium <laughs> but for It'll now well. you know Anyway, you should probably answer that because no, no, I, 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 I'm with you. I think I think it, it, it'll lose its luster if you if you bring it back to Toronto. I mean, it's 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 so it's so uniquely Hartford, right? And there's there's not too many things that because they're uniquely Hartford. I think that's really the only the only thing I can really associate with the city. I mean, I, I've been there a couple times for uh, a couple of U.S. national team games, but uh, a pretty quiet city. Uh, other than that, so yeah, Brass Bonanza is, is it's got to be a strictly Connecticut thing for me. All right, let's talk just about some of the good stuff now, Eric. Let's uh, let's talk some players. Um, you have the opportunity, obviously, of being with some of these guys off the pitch and obviously interacting with them a lot. From your opinion, just gonna put you on the spot a little bit here. Who's the funniest TFC player? Oh man, there's there's a lot of characters, but uh, for me, it's it's Lola Laurent Siran, man. He he's I, I don't even know how to describe it, but he's he's always he's always got like a, a funny retort or just. His comedic timing to me is tremendous. I mean, he's he's always got something funny to say. He's he keeps it light in training, and you know those are the things that you don't necessarily think of when you're when you're covering a team or watching as a fan. It's those those little moments that that keep the training light, especially when now we're we're away from home for so long, and you know it's a bit of a mental grind on a lot of these guys. I think you know his role in in, in that in, in keeping things light and keeping a lot of the interactions you know lively and fun that definitely goes a long way so i i think i'd go with lorenzo Simonia. look at that valuable insight you're not getting yeah, that yeah. anywhere else but no. wtr weekly guys with eric g <laughs> come on lorenzo yeah. locker room guy here we go <laughs> no more Le- lorenzo Simon banter come on <laughs> is he funny weird or is he funny haha like will he throw a whoopee cushion <laughs> under your seat because i don't know if that's funny anymore no, that's not, not so much the uh, the physical comedy. Okay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of his uh, his relationship with Subasa Endo. Man, I got some. I had some uh, some pretty good preseason content coming out of the, the two of them, uh, nice, nice. back and forth. So some a lot of lot of fun stuff there. Yeah. <laughs> you love. I to mean, I, I I have a friend that that consistently mentions the 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 baking in the Orlando heat. Jacob Schaffelberg trying to speak Spanish to the Spanish speaking <laughs> <laughs> of the team. I thought that was hilarious. 
Um, we're going to get a lot of mileage out of the Chris Mavinga Mavenga bus. That's uh, that's strong. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, what, hey, I have uh, a question. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, Jeff. I know, Mike. No, I, no, no, to... I, was, I was reading your questions, actually. I was going <laughs> to steal one of yours, but go ahead. You guys can prepare, I want, I want okay. to talk okay. about uh, Pablo Piatti and Alejandro Pozuelo, this, their relationship kind of off the field. How genuine is that? And You know, you saw Pozuelo without Piatti last year. Is there a different pause this year? Uh, I think the proof is in the pudding for me, right? I mean, we, we talked about how good Pozuelo was in 2019 coming off of playing a full season in Belgium. Guy was a best 11 candidate, you know, easily the catalyst for everything good Toronto FC does going forward. And I think you're seeing an even better version of him this year, right? I mean, he has a, a full off season of rest. He's now, you know, built into the fabric of this team and, and, and what they do going forward. And I think you're seeing, to me, I mean, obviously I know I'm biased, but I think he's got to be the MVP frontrunner right now. And to speak to your point about his relationship with Pablo Piatti, everything you see on the field, uh, it's it's tenfold, it's tenfold off the field. I mean, he's he's very much uh, woven into the fabric of this team. The two of them are inseparable off the field, and uh, the, the, the banter that they have together is great. I think they're uh, they've gotten together quite nicely. It's maybe uh, somewhat similar to Michael's earlier question, but there are some rumors out of training this week that Chris Mavinga might be trying to take your job. Um, which uh, which uh, Toronto FC player do you think would be the best uh, running the Toronto FC socials? Mavinga's a good shout, man. He's he's another one of those those funny guys that that, that keeps things really light. And he's uh, I think he's coming around in his his Toronto slang as well. He's he's been learning from the likes of Liam <laughs> Frazier and uh, Rich. Yep, we lost him. We lost Eric G. Yeah, we lost. Yeah, Eric it looks G. like we uh, so we lost him there. Um, <laughs> Damn, I was yeah. into that. That was yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, some 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 good insights into uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I wonder who I wonder who got him there. If the Chris Mavinga people, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll build off his his Pozuelo sentiment there, though. Mm. He is he has mm. to be the front runner for MVP this year. He's just been so consistent. Uh, game in, game out. Greg Vaney said he's not only producing assists, he's producing goals. Um, is there a, a hotter player in the league right now than Alejandro Pozuelo? The pro- I mean, listen, you could you could spit and choose a sounder, but that's the problem. They split the votes, right? Like Jordan Morris is having a hell of a season. Um, uh, yeah, uh, 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 Rui Diaz is having a hell of a season. Nico Ladero is is having a whale of a time out there. The problem is, is that you're now splitting the votes. Um, what was the other show? Uh, someone was saying uh, Zella Ryan on the crew. Uh, is up the crew there. Matt, even on the crew, yeah. He's yeah. Quality. Yeah, he's quality. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm biased, so so for me, I'd love to see Pazzo take it. But uh, I'll take another step forward. Like how? Okay, when Pozuelo was first brought to Toronto FC, he was brought in to let's be real. I mean, as much as they want to shape it that he wasn't, he was brought in to fill someone else's shoes, some pretty damn big shoes. And well, fast small, forward. Uh... Yeah, yeah some atomic ant size shoes. <laughs> <laughs> fast forward, you know what? year and a half if that this guy's a legitimate candidate for mvp i didn't think we'd be seeing another one of those in toronto anytime soon and i think his ability to step into those shoes and fill those shoes is just i cannot be understated how well of a job he's been doing on and off the field yeah it's interesting right oh there, there's Jack Ametti back. Man, we got to stop yeah. talking about Eric G now since he's oh, <laughs> <laughs> time and I'm out. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I do I do take issue with uh, Chris Mabinga taking over social media because there was a few posts back in the day that were that were vague to the point of driving me crazy. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, there 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 was a couple Drake lyric posts, and and Drake has some morose, morbid lyrics, but he gave them context free. So I mean, he, he set TFC. Lo- Listen, I mean that that shows he he has power over the over the platform, but. He set TFC live on fire about three times unnecessarily last year. So Has he ever talked to you about that? Like it's a bad thing. It's, it's <laughs> engagement, right? That's we're in the engagement business, baby. That's, that's, called, that's called getting the clicks. Yeah, uh, he's, he's he's a character, man. He's an, he's an enigma. You can't you can't put a bottle on his personality. So I, mm-hmm. I would I would uh, you know I, I take it. You got to take uh, everything that comes with the Christmas Inga package. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Which includes a, a rental of a golf cart for him to get from the training ground to the cart content. Oh, mm-hmm. just just incredible. Well, I mean, you, you pulled that. You had a follow vehicle. That was fantastic. Yeah. Shout out to, to our, our producer, Jerome Chang, getting on the back of the cart. Uh, Shane Wright helping out with some photos. I mean, it's it's a, we, we, we got a good crew, man. I got to say we got a good crew to capture some content and the, and the players love it as well. They, they play along quite nicely. Definitely. Uh, Eric, Chris Mavinga told one of the coolest stories I think I've ever heard from TFC Live perspective after uh, last match. He said, if you guys missed it, he said no, that we didn't miss it. <laughs> he said that Paz came up to him afterwards and you know, after Chris Mavinga let up that own goal in the first half, and Chris Mavinga said, uh, Paz came up to him, he said, Don't worry, you've done well for us this season. I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna score a goal, I'm gonna get an assist, and don't worry, we, we got you. And he came out and he did that against the first place Columbus crew. Um, is that is that kind of who Paz is off the field, and how much does he kind of help his teammates? To me, I think it's emblematic of everything that this team is. Uh, again, I know that you know you can you can point to the, the flag you got there behind you that they all for one right. It's it's just it's just a saying. It's just what the team is. But I think it it genuinely does embody what this club has and. Uh, a lot of times, you know, to me, culture around the club, I think that's one of those buzzwords that I get I think it's thrown out there a, a little too much without a, a true understanding of it. But the culture around this club really does permeate in, into a lot of different ways. And I think it's important to remember, too, that Pazuela was a, was a captain of, of, of yeah. Gank before coming over to Toronto. Right. So he's he's not new to the leadership role. This is this is something he's very comfortable doing. And now a year into his tenure with the club, uh, you know, he's he's, he's only going to get more comfortable being that guy in the locker room. And with Michael being out, you know, more guys are stepping up into that leadership role. And, you know, talk about being a leader. I think just the the, the cojones to, to come out and say, yeah, I'm going to bag a goal and an assist at halftime and goes out there and does it against the first place team after, you know, a bit of a deflating first half. It, it just shows not only what this team is about, but but Pazuelo, we, we know what he can do and we know what he's all about. What are the digs like in, in Hartford? I mean, it, it's impressive on, on TV. It, it's got that kind of elbow can azteca kind of vibe to it uh you know it's a college football stadium and that's a religion down south uh can you can you speak a little bit on the amenities is it is it haunted <laughs> well not not yet anyway i mean i think we'll, 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 we'll take one and oh right now but it, it's a it's a nice pitch like, like i mentioned before it's uh it's a place that the the u.s national team has called home on, on several occasions so uh it, it's it's a it's a very nice venue i actually spoke to justin mora right before the match just kind of picking his brain about what he thought of the pitch as well you know it's it's, it's not quite up to bmo standards but in terms of uh, a home away from home it's just about as good as you you could have imagined uh and i, I think the the ops team behind the scenes did a, a really nice job of 
of doing what they can to make it feel like home is a lot of the similar signage that you see from the players walking out of the tunnel. With, mm -hmm. you know, the all for one, they will see red. Uh, the, the supporters groups banners are now represented uh, behind the net. So there, there's a little bit of that home feel to the stadium. You do as much as you can. It's never going to be Toronto. It's never going to have the same feel as, as being by the lakeshore. But uh, the, the club has done a really good job of trying to make it feel as home as possible. Yeah, yes. I imagine the grounds crew didn't travel with you, so so you must have just Rob must have been on a on a conference call with whoever is in Hartford, uh, making sure that it's up to snuff. Yeah, I imagine so. I, I know that there was there was a lot of ground visits to see what was be the best setup, and I'm, I'm sure you know heads grounds crew uh, head groundskeeper Rob Heggie was I'm sure was was on calls with them to make sure <laughs> that you know the grass was cut at the same length and it yeah. was watered at the same time of day because I mean that stuff is an exact science, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and it's it's very much. Uh, it, it very much does come down to those those little idiosyncrasies that you don't think about uh, until you get to the pitch, and then they, they do their pre-match inspections, and they're they're uh, they're pretty meticulous with it. So yeah, definitely uh, definitely something the team has paid a uh, close attention to. Cheers. Uh, shout out to the ops team. Obviously, it takes a lot of work, to, you know, to kind of put all that together, all the little things that go into it on on TV. From our perspective, it looked absolutely fantastic. Um, we've gone thirty seven minutes, and we have not talked about Richie Larea. Once. Oh my! <laughs> That's some serious legend. slander here on our part, and yeah, you said it there. Absolute <laughs> legend after his his performance. Eric, give us some insight into to what the ceiling is for Richie Larea, and you know how far he's grown in just such a short amount of time. He's only been playing the position for a little over a year. I mean, I mean, to me, this is. I think we're just scratching the surface of, of what Richie can do. Uh, you know, and I, I was I was just talking about this on the Come On You Reds podcast. Quick little plug, uh, but the, the the fact that the fact that you know Greg Vanny is not only is he putting Richie as as one of the first teams in the team sheet, he's now game planning for Richie to be the focal point of an offense as a right back. I mean, how how often do you see that? I mean, you're starting to see Justin Morrow, who is mm -hmm. one of the premier left backs in MLS history. Uh, you know, last game you saw him kind of slotting back into a back three alongside Mavinga and Omar, which gave license for Richie to go forward and be that catalyst of the attack. You saw you know, the back line constantly picking up their heads and looking to hit that diagonal to the byline to try to get him into space, isolate him 1v1. That, to me, says everything you need to know, that this is this is as important as uh, as anybody in terms of going forward. And I think defensively he's, he's made uh, big, big strides in terms of his 1v1 defending. Uh, I think that's the only thing that could be holding him back from from being really one of the premier right backs in MLS, and I think already he has to be in that conversation. Is right back his best position? Yes, it, it has to be. I, I mean, uh, you, you look at especially the way that, that he's playing in Greg Vanny's system. I mean, you can make the argument that maybe he's a little more well-suited to play on the wing, but I, I think that that d disrupts a little bit too much of, of what the team does in the in the front three. If you look at an Akinola, Pazuelo, Josie, Piatti, any of those combination of players, I think it makes the most sense to have Richie play in that right back spot. And he obviously has a lot of license to go forward. And again, the team is built around his ability to do just that. Well, Eric, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. We'll let you go for, for real this time. Um, yeah, but some, <laughs> some great insights uh, other than, mentioning another Toronto C podcast. There are no others that exist. But, uh, we do really appreciate uh, the, the time uh, this week. Of course, guys. Anytime is a pleasure. Yeah, so I'm going to write you a DM right now, and I'll, I'll get a trial with the team, what, Monday, <laughs> Tuesday? <laughs> I, yeah, meet, meet us at the training grounds uh, next Thursday. At 3. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you guys want a trial, just hit up Eric G's DMs. <laughs> <laughs> that's the key. That's the key. Cheers, All right, Eric. Gents. All right, thanks, Eric so yeah, I think, awesome uh, stuff. yeah, yeah no, was, absolutely.
that was that was great getting a you know a little peek behind the the curtain of at Toronto FC and and everything the club does on social because you know as as great as they are um, on the pitch I think you know this is one of the organizations that's pretty much unmatched in in MLS off the pitch and you know their their social and digital stuff goes a long way towards towards that I believe. Yeah, it strikes a really nice balance between outright banter and and, and factual, which is uh, a difficult tightrope to walk. So it's uh, credit where credit is due. Uh, there's just so much versatility in, in their content, whether it's digital, whether it's written stuff, whether it's you know those little uh, gifs, if you guys want to call it that, or you know just little little stuff that they do that keep everybody on their toes and keep TSC live and in involved it's it's unreal um so shout out to that crew there i did want to also give a little shout out to lauren simon like on all seriousness that is that trait is so selfless and so intangible in a squad especially a squad with the amount of star potential that Toronto FC has, that amount of star names that Toronto FC has. For Lauren Sima to keep things loose, Chris Mavinga to keep things loose. And I'll throw Alex Bono in that in that list as well because I can't his his effect on this team off the field is incredible. I know we were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, his salary and what what he's kind of bringing on the field. If we're just talking goalkeeper wise, sure, we ship him off in a heartbeat. But when if you take into account what he brings to this team off the pitch, that's a huge loss for the locker room if Alex Bono goes. So you got to take that into account as well and just shout out to those guys for, you know, keeping these light in this, this difficult times. Yeah. I do think that's a, that's a great point. Cause it's, it, it, as you said, it, these are, you know, unique times and we've seen some Toronto FC dressing rooms that certainly, you know, aren't, aren't amicable to say the least um, in the past and in somewhat the, the more recent past as well. But at the moment, it really does seem like this group has, has become close together and that that's not just talk. Um, and, and again, that's, that's really important in a season where, you know, you don't have fans, you can't be home all that often. If you're Toronto FC, you have to really like the guys you're playing with. And it does seem like this, this team really likes each other at the moment, which is, as we said, very important. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. They're one of the most likable Toronto FC teams, honestly, in, in recent memory. And obviously that 27 team obviously trumps all. But <laughs> we went through some bad times after that. And to you know, come back to this full full circle, it's, it's kind of nice. And we'll see how this team ends ends the season. we got a big test coming up Saturday, which I kind of want to talk a little bit about. Um, sure, against, against the Can Philadelphia I... Union. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Well, I, I, I mean if we're talking about turnabout is fair play for that 2018 season, it is so satisfying to see, uh, uh, you know, it, it happened to some of the teams that it was never going to happen to. Uh, I'm looking at you, Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> you know, we got, we got a lot of shade uh, for 2018, you know, the, the MLS cup hangover, the, the CONCACAF champions league run hangover. Uh, you know, it, it means nothing because Toronto are crap. Um, and uh, and now we're being vindicated for that. So so I just I, I thought it was worth a mention. Jeff held that grudge for two years. Yes. So <laughs> sweet for him to say that just now. Weight <laughs> lifted. Oh <laughs> No, but all seriousness, uh, they're coming off a, a game against the first place Columbus Crew. The day before, they they faced New York City, and now they're they're facing the second place Philadelphia Union. This could be the most crucial part of Toronto FC's schedule, um, and it's good that they're going to have a crucial six days in between now and then you know to hopefully get some guys back we're talking about michael bradley we're talking about oro uh those guys can potentially be in the mix saturday so if tfc have a full squad going into that match against philadelphia i like their chances 
Yeah, I do too. I mean, Philadelphia is a bit in flux right now because the transfer window rumors are starting to circulate around some of their some of their big pieces. Uh, Brendan Aronson being one that that comes to mind right off the hall. Um, you know, it's it again. Uh, it's easy for a professional athlete to say that they can focus on the game and anything going on outside the game uh, is is meaningless conjecture. But I I have to think that even the whiff of a big money move to Europe is going to affect a player's play. Um, you know, and 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 not all of it in a positive way. I mean, if you know that mm-hmm. that you've got you've got a potential big money move to the promised land in the in the mail. Are you going to go a hundred percent? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, they still mail transfer requests. Pardon? Do they still mail transfer requests? It's a fax yeah, machine, uh, bitch. Come on. It's a bureau. Hopefully works. Hopefully works well. <laughs> <laughs> it's smoke. It's sm- listen. The Barcelona way, right? M- more than a club. It's a bureau fax or nothing. But uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I would just, I would have to think that it would affect. Uh, you know, I don't want to say his commitment to the team but you know let's say it is commitment to to the team <laughs> is he going to push that extra that extra yard or is he going to try and protect his his now transfer market rated ankles uh uh one has to assume that 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 that, that has an effect uh so, hey, if so you're talking I, about that with uh you know aronson that we got to talk about that with lorea don't we is lorea you know had does he have european interests around the corner is that what he's thinking about obviously not by the way, just, just obviously not. Just like, well, it, just I mean, I, I would bless. Like, I would, I would counter that by we're not thinking that Manchester there, United yet. There, I would, I would counter it by saying that there's been a lot of ink on Aronson's potential move and nothing on on any kind of interest in. No, no, in no, no for sure. So, there actually has been yeah. tangible movement on Aronson's move, so I will give yeah. you that. But yeah. what I, I will yeah. counter with that is Philadelphia's playing some some next level football right now. Uh, I think they're one of the hottest teams at MLS. I'm not sure the last time that they lost, but mm-hmm. these are two of the juggernauts going at it. You know, TFC took down Columbus last time. Let's see what they can do the next one in Philadelphia on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. I think that's a, that's a perfect place to wrap up. Again, we've been asking for consistency from Toronto FC and they have an opportunity to really show um, that they've, you know, had consistency of their game against, as we've said, three, three very solid sides in the Eastern conference. Mike, took away the elite status from New York City FC, but um, very very clearly Columbus and Philadelphia are two of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. So uh, Toronto FC gets an opportunity to uh, take them out back to back. But uh, as we've said, huge thank you to Eric Giacometti. That was, you know, one of the probably better interviews we've, we've done on the show so far. Um, really appreciate him taking the time. Thanks again to Kevin and Sophia uh, for all their work behind the scenes in, in all of our exciting new look show. Uh, big head Jeff there. In the corner. We gotta do, we gotta do something about this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, looks great. And and of course, uh, tune in Thursdays awesome. at lunch to Footy Talks Weekly to listen to another version of our show, just slightly more intelligent and hundred uh, percent more British. So uh, <laughs> you have that to oh. look forward to as well. Yes, oh, I, I wanted to to do a shout for our friends at the Vocal Minority Podcast. They've got. Uh, former FC Edmonton coach Jeff Polison for an interview. And it promises to be long, but it also promises to be insightful. So you should probably check that out. As I've said multiple times, there are no other Toronto FC podcasts. So I don't know what Jeff's but talking I about. I just needed Jeff for like the last 30 yeah. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, otherwise, thank you guys. Like, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening and interacting with us. And uh, until next Tuesday, have a great week, everyone. Let's go Blue Jays.